Hello, and a warm welcome to my Asthma Spotlight podcast. I'm Dr. Mark Levy. I'm a family doctor with a special interest in asthma. My aim is to help people with asthma and also their caregivers to understand more about this disease and how to stay safe. I will share lots of information about asthma. However, I will not be able to answer any personal medical questions for which you should really consult your own doctor. The opinions I express in the Asthma Spotlight podcast are my own and they are not intended as and shall not be understood or construed as medical, health or professional advice of any kind. Please do see the disclaimer details in the podcast description. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. This week, I heard tragic news that another child had died from asthma in the United Kingdom and that the coroner decided that this was an avoidable death. I'm really upset and saddened at this news and my heart feels heavy because however hard we've tried, we have failed in the UK to manage asthma effectively because of the complacent attitudes of colleagues regarding asthma, particularly in childhood. The coroner has issued a Regulation 28 statement, which is a report intended to prevent future deaths following the inquest into the death of William Gray, who was only 10 years old when he died from asthma on the 29th of May 2021. The coroner's statement is published online, so it's in the public domain, by the chief coroner. If you search for William Gray and coroner, you can download this report. My podcast this week is intended for healthcare professionals who have responsibility to care for children and young people in primary care, accident and emergency departments, and in hospital. Now, the information will also be useful for people with asthma, especially parents of children with asthma, and managers who are responsible for commissioning care for children and young people. Now, before I continue... Please do share this podcast with colleagues. In my view, all healthcare professionals caring for children should listen to this podcast. 
And if you find it helpful, please follow my series of Asthma Spotlight podcasts on Spotify, Apple and YouTube. Now the details of William's asthma care are available online from the Chief Coroner's website, so I'm not breaching any confidentiality. Simply search for William Gray and Coroner and download the Coroner's report. There have been a number of press and TV reports since the inquest, which concluded in November 2023. Sadly, some of the details of William's care reported by the coroner and the media are very similar to other reports aimed at preventing asthma deaths in the United Kingdom. The first reports on preventable factors in asthma deaths were reported in the UK 60 years ago. That's six zero years ago. And there have been a number of similar coroner's Regulation 28 reports in the UK, as well as international published studies since then. As I've said before, I was the clinical lead for the UK National Review of Asthma Deaths, which was called the NRAD. And the NRAD investigated 900 of the 1,400 deaths which were classified due to asthma in the UK in the 12 months from February 2012. And I've also been expert witness for coroners in five tragic asthma deaths, four of which resulted in Regulation 28 reports. Unfortunately, each time there's a a potentially avoidable asthma death, there's a lot of very short-term interest in the media. And what concerns me more, from my own experience, the Regulation 28 reports do not change the ongoing failure and complacency in the UK. To take, more, to take asthma more seriously. So in this podcast, I'm trying to ensure that every single doctor in the UK who cares for children puts themselves in the shoes of someone caring for this boy and reflects on their own knowledge and ability to manage asthma, which, as we all know, is the commonest chronic childhood disease. Now, there were numerous signals that this boy was in trouble, Today I'm going to focus on three of those, three key warning signs or red flags if you wish in this boy's medical history which could possibly have saved his life had someone taken them seriously. Firstly, he had a previous life-threatening asthma attack. Second, his prescriptions. He was prescribed excess salbutamol an insufficient preventer medication. And the third red flag that I'm going to talk about is that he had four asthma attacks in the six months before he died. These were treated by his GP with four courses of oral corticosteroids without referral to a specialist. So let's start by looking at the life-threatening attack that he had on the 27th of October 2020, which happened seven months before he died. So what I'd like you to do is to put yourself in the shoes of the doctor dealing with that previous life-threatening attack. Let's say you were the doctor in accident and emergency when William was brought in by the paramedics. You learn that his mother had started cardiopulmonary resuscitation on him while waiting for an ambulance when he collapsed at home due to an asthma attack. He was treated presumably with nebulized subutamol and oxygen by the paramedics in the ambulance and he is awake and reasonably alert on arrival in the accident and emergency department. 
Now, what do you do? As part of your critical thinking and clinical decision-making process, what do you ask yourself? Has this boy had sufficient acute treatment? What more does this boy need right now? Is the attack under control? And what information do you need in order to answer this question? Now, have you got enough expertise to answer these questions? Or do you need to ask a senior doctor or get a senior opinion from an asthma expert? Is this boy at risk? And how do you decide whether to admit him or send him home? And if you decide to send him home, what safety netting advice and treatment do you provide? Now, bearing in mind that asthma is a chronic, ongoing disease characterized by acute attacks which may be life-threatening, and that clearly the first priority is to treat the acute attack when it happens. However, the chronic disease also needs attention. And I'd like you to remember that as you listen to the rest of this podcast, that asthma is not an acute disease. Now, the treatment of an asthma attack involves drug treatment with bronchodilators, oxygen and systemic corticosteroids as well as an assessment of the severity of the attack and also an assessment of immediate risk. Medical history, lung function, which would include peak flow or spirometry, vital signs including respiratory and pulse rate, blood pressure, as well as oxygen saturation and physical examination helps to establish the current risk. Now, from the coroner's report, We don't know what the boy's condition was like in the accident and emergency, and it is unclear how well he was. However, the report clearly states that he was sent home four hours after arriving in accident and emergency. Now, in my view, and I'm sure in many specialists' views, even if he looked well, the fact that he had needed resuscitation is a red flag and should have been sufficient for a decision to keep him in hospital for observation because it was a life-threatening attack and to arrange an opinion from a paediatrician with asthma expertise before sending him home. Now, secondly, the attack itself is a red flag. It's an indication that there's a problem with the boy's chronic asthma management. Therefore, in addition to treating that attack itself, the other part of the management of an attack is to manage the chronic aspect of asthma. So as the doctor looking after this boy, and again putting yourself in the shoes of the doctor in accident and emergency, why do you think this boy had an asthma attack, and why was it so severe? What can be learned from his previous asthma history? In particular, how many attacks has this boy had in the past? Were there any risk factors that might have predisposed him to this attack? Now, those factors could have included, firstly, whether he's been prescribed an inhaled corticosteroid, and importantly, if so, whether his parents were collecting his prescriptions as regularly as they should have. If he had been prescribed preventers and they were not being collected, did you take appropriate action to contact a safeguarding team to help with this aspect of his care? Next, there is information on how many prescriptions for salbutamol had been prescribed in the previous year. Has his inhaler technique been checked while he was in hospital? 
Now we know from the coroner's report that William had not been discharged from hospital with preventer treatment. This was only prescribed on the 4th of November on the advice of an asthma nurse who was sent by the hospital to check him. The coroner's report doesn't state whether a post-attack review had been done by his GP. Now, this had been a recommendation in the British guidelines since the mid-1990s. And the purpose of a post-attack review is first to decide whether the attack is over and whether the boy needed to be sent back into a hospital, and second, to deal with the chronic aspect of the asthma. This involves an assessment to identify any risk factors that can be dealt with. Um, we call them modifiable risk factors. We also know from the report that at the family's request, a referral was made to the local um, asthma and allergy service, and that this service consisted of telephone calls with mom of up to five minutes duration until the 1st of February 2021. The next call by the nurse was made on the 21st of May, and the report states that the nurse had not on that date reviewed or escalated the boy's excess reliever use. However, I read in one of the news reports on William's inquest that the nurse making the calls had a caseload of 2,000 children. This is clearly an impossible task, which the managers of a service like this need to address with some urgency. That life-threatening attack should, in my view, have resulted in an urgent referral to a specialist asthma service and a severe asthma expert in paediatric asthma. Now, the other two risk factors in William's care related to his medication and recognition of risk by the healthcare professionals. So once again, Let's put yourself in the shoes of the GP or the nurse in the general practice caring for William after he was discharged from the A&E in October. He did have one appointment with a consultant on the 14th of November and then had the telephone reviews which I described earlier until the 21st of February 2021. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quinn's. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. So presumably, as the doctor or nurse in the general practice, you were aware from the hospital correspondence that William had suffered a life-threatening asthma attack in October 2020. Now, as the doctor caring for uh, William, there are a number of questions you could ask yourself and of the doctors and staff in the practice to ensure safe management of the boy's asthma. 
So was this attack coded in the boy's medical record as a life-threatening asthma attack? And secondly, had the child's medical record been flagged to indicate that he was at risk of dying from asthma in the future? This question is important because there's lots of information in the public domain and uh, from the National View of Asthma Deaths that a life-threatening attack is a signal that somebody is at risk for the rest of their lives of having another life-threatening asthma attack which could result in death. And therefore, the records should be flagged to this effect. How confident are you in managing asthma? Are you aware of the risk factors for poor asthma outcomes? These risk factors have been published in the British Guideline, again since the mid-1990s, and also um, are pretty well known by most um, doctors with an interest in asthma. Now, who's responsible for setting standards for asthma care in the practice, and what level of training have they had? Are the doctors and staff aware of the recommendations in the UK National Review of Asthma Deaths which were published by the Royal College of Physicians in May 2014. Now that report flagged that excess salbutamol prescriptions puts patients at risk of dying. It also flagged the risks posed by insufficient prescription of inhaled corticosteroids, which also puts people with asthma at risk of dying from this disease. The other question to ask is are the practice staff aware of the signed BTS section on treatment on acute asthma, particularly the section on life-threatening risk, which includes a life-threatening attack being a risk factor for a future severe asthma attack. Now, the coroner's report states that the GP had prescribed four short courses of oral corticosteroids for repeated asthma attacks in December 2020, February, April, and on the 21st of May 2021. The knowledge that William had a life-threatening attack in the past, plus these four additional attacks treated by the practice, should have led to an immediate referral to an asthma specialist service by the practice. The coroner also reported that a review by the Allergy and Asthma Service nurse on the 21st of May failed to raise an alarm because William had been using excess reliever. Now, I've already mentioned the extreme workload under which this nurse was placed, and I um, can only say that um, the managers responsible for this service need to take some responsibility for placing a nurse under such excess workload. The coroner's report then states that another review was done by the practice nurse practitioner on the 25th of May at the GP's request following the prescription of oral corticosteroids on the 21st. The nurse identified that the boy's asthma was uncontrolled but failed to escalate this information. This is something that we noted in the National Review of Asthma Deaths that many nurses were doing reviews of patients with asthma without adequate training without knowledge of the risk factors um, for poor asthma outcome and without clear instructions to escalate um, information like this to somebody with asthma expertise in the practice. Now, the report also stated that excess short-acting reliever inhalers and insufficient inhaled corticosteroids had been issued by the practice. 
And as I've said before, these are well-known risk factors for poor asthma outcomes. And they were highlighted in the National Review of Asthma Deaths eight years before this boy died from his asthma. As in the case of previous reports on asthma deaths and acute asthma attacks, once again, this Regulation 28 report shows that there's clear evidence that the consequences of asthma are underappreciated. There is extreme complacency by healthcare professionals in uh, the management of asthma. There's a lack of knowledge and a lack of expertise amongst healthcare professionals looking after children with asthma. This disease is just not taken seriously, and in fact it's managed as if it's an acute and not a chronic disease. So somebody's acute asthma attacks are treated without anybody realizing or understanding that this is a chronic disease and that an acute asthma attack is a signal that the chronic treatment has failed and something needs to be done to reduce the risk of this person from having a future attack. William died, sadly, on the 29th of May 2021 from an acute severe asthma attack which happened eight days after the fourth course of oral corticosteroids prescribed by the practice in six months and four days after the nurse practitioner review in the practice. So the lessons from this tragic, potentially avoidable asthma death apply to all doctors and nurses caring for children, and that's all children, because asthma is the commonest chronic childhood disease, And in my view, anybody treating children should have a good knowledge of asthma and not just a lead in a practice. This is everybody's duty if they're going to try to save lives and prevent asthma attacks. Sadly, in my experience, this coroner's report will, like many previous Regulation 28 statements, simply be swept under the carpet without any meaningful sustained action by the NHS or politicians to at least ensure safe treatment for people with asthma. So in my view, and the reason why I decided to do this podcast, doctors and nurses caring for children with asthma need to make sure that they know about this condition, they know how to treat attacks, they know how to recognize risk, and they know when to call for help. There's lots of information on my website at www.bigcatdoc.com and I would really encourage you to increase your knowledge in this field. Now, 10 years after the NRAD report, it is astounding that risk factors like excess reliever prescription, insufficient inhaled corticosteroid prescription, and failure to refer patients to asthma specialists after severe or multiple attacks are not acted upon. The NRAD recommended that all patients with asthma should be referred to a specialist after two asthma attacks in one year. So this tragic, potentially avoidable death of yet another child should at last result in asthma being taken much more seriously by UK doctors, nurses, healthcare managers and the NHS hierarchy. Clearly, resources for asthma care need to be provided. The UK has in fact got the lowest number of respiratory adult and children specialists in the top 29 OECD countries. General practitioners are overworked and many have become de-skilled in the management of asthma. 
because it just has not been prioritised at the highest level in the UK. So what's needed now, starting with the care of children and young people, we need to put an end to the complacency with regard to asthma. We need to put an end to asthma attacks because good asthma control should not involve asthma attacks. And we need to end avoidable asthma deaths completely. This should really be a never event. So my suggestions to start ending the complacency about asthma are Firstly, every doctor and nurse responsible for the care of children must ensure they know how to manage asthma attacks and this includes the acute treatment and also recognising this as a chronic disease by identifying and dealing with modifiable risk factors that can be um, dealt with like excess reliever and insufficient preventer prescription as well as ensuring that inhaler technique is good. Asthma attacks must be recognised as an unacceptable failure of treatment. Action must be taken to prevent future attacks and asthma attacks should be regarded as significant events and in my view reflected upon by practice teams. Why did the attack happen? What can we do to prevent a future attack? And anyone who has had two or more asthma attacks, and that means anyone prescribed a short course of oral corticosteroids or a high-dose nebulized uh, treatment for acute asthma, must be referred to a specialist. In accordance with the General Medical Council recommendations and regulations, asthma care in general practice must not be delegated to anyone without adequate, appropriate training in asthma care. To re-emphasize the points that I made about prescribing, um, I think that all patients with asthma should be prescribed a preventer inhaler, either regularly or as needed, depending on the age of the patient. And secondly, anyone prescribed three or more of the short-acting beta agonist blue reliever inhalers in one year should have an urgent review by somebody who is appropriately trained in doing asthma reviews and identifying risk. Please do listen to my previous podcasts, the ones on blue inhalers and the ones on as-needed inhaled corticosteroid with formotrol will be useful in this regard. And my final point is that all deaths in children where the word asthma appears on the death certificate should be investigated by coronial inquests assisted by expert witnesses. And the reason for saying this is based on my experience in this area and the fact that the current system for assessing and investigating childhood deaths, um, particularly in asthma, does not allow the investigators access to the medical records. The coroners have the right to insist on access to medical records, both in primary and secondary care, which in my view are essential for investigating these deaths. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. 
Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Thank you for listening to my podcast. If you found this helpful, and I hope you did, please click the like and the follow buttons and share this podcast. Please do send me any feedback or questions to my email address, asthmaspotlight at gmail.com, and I'll do my best to answer these in future episodes.